In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill. Climb your way any way you want. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I am your Schlinik Baumgartner here in Ann Arbor, quarantined still. Day 1000, I don't know, day 1500. Brendan Quinn, of course, also quarantined. You're allowed separately. to get out, dude. What's that? We're allowed to get out. We are allowed to get out, I guess. So we're, we're getting there. Just don't feel uh, comfortable doing so. <laughs> but before we get to that point, we have two uh, great guests today, joined by friend of the program, Colton Pouncey, neon shirt enthusiast, uh, Chicago oh. enthusiast. Colton, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I was in Chicago for since late March, really. Uh, just figured I'd spend quarantine with my family instead of by How's myself. That? Was that good? It was good. Um, you know, we talked about this, but I got to, you know, watch The Last Dance with my dad and yeah, right. hearing him tell me stories. And I would like watch the news with my, with my mom every night and we would like silently cry to ourselves over you know, what's happening. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it was good to spend time with them. That was like the longest I've, I've spent time with them since I was like, you know, summer after my freshman year of college or something like that. So that was really cool. It's nice going home home with, hold on. I said, it's nice going home without moving home. Yes. At your age. Oh yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's different when you're bringing boxes in. That's a humble. (laughs) Yeah. Also joined this week by the great James Edwards, Pistons writer here in Detroit. James, how are we doing? Doing good. Yeah. I'm still quarantined. Um, Man, it's been a weird few months just trying to figure out what in the hell is going on in the world and my yep. job as the Pistons have been uninteresting since January. So yeah, that's been been fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it, been enjoying kind of the downtime you get to spend with the, the lady and the family when I can, I finally got to go to my mom's last weekend for the first time. She kind of shut all that down as she should, but yeah, glad to kind of get back to some normalcy. Talking to my barber today, getting that set up. Oh, and there you go. At a boy. After that, the rest is kind of just uh, cherry on top. Nice. We got three haircuts coming here soon, right? Big time. Colton, yeah. you talked to a barber. We, Brendan's complaining. We, we, right we all aren't so sufficient there. You got one. Colton got one. Yeah, I, got I, one I just cut my own hair. <laughs> but anyway, we thought we'd have these guys on. We have a couple different things Brendan planned for today. Um, first and foremost would be a story Colton wrote last week, a Michigan State-centric story about uh, twofold students returning to campus, um, and then sort of you know on high a uh, I, I suppose some some things they're going to implement 
um, for some change because, you know, as we've talked uh, earlier there just a second ago, I mean, there's been a lot going on in the world. We had plans to do this last week and things got shuffled around, but here we are Monday um, to talk about some, some complicated things that sometimes maybe aren't as complicated as people want to make them, um, but also the world of sports uh, and sort of the decision that folks have made to be active and be vocal. Um, and that starts, I think, uh, with our teams and with the people we cover. And Colton, you had a chance to speak with Mel Tucker uh, and Alan Aller, Deputy AD at Michigan State, um, and a really interesting story uh, that sort of highlighted a number of things and I thought, you know, seemed to be really, really productive from a Michigan State standpoint on how they've sort of seen this um, and more importantly, how they've implemented, you know, plans for, you know, what comes next. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as, you know, we started seeing everything that happened in the past couple of weeks, I was interested to see how college coaches would react to this because, you know, they're recruiting 16, 17 year old kids and, uh, you know, they're going to have to go in the living rooms of, of parents and, and black parents and try to, you know, say, this is how I'm going to protect your son when he comes to my university. Um, he's in good hands. So those conversations are going to have to happen. And you can't just avoid those topics and talk about football. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to come off as tone deaf. And people are paying attention to what coaches are saying and putting out there and statements, whatever. Um, so I was curious to see you know, obviously Mel Tucker put out a statement um, in late March or late May um, on a Friday night. And I, that was a little bit before um, the rest mm -hmm. of college football kind of followed suit. So, um, you know, talking to his people, that was something that he was thinking about all day and trying to find the right words to do that. Um, and he put out that statement, but it didn't just end there. And I think that's, that's the difference between, you know, actually caring and, and maybe just, you know, maybe doing it for good publicity or whatever, you know, um, so Mel Tucker was having conversations with his people like well before he put that statement out um, after trying to figure out ways that he can speak to his team. And, you know, they had the Zoom call shortly thereafter and um, just to like let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you guys. Like this is what we're going to do to try to introduce that plan of attack. Um, and he he's not a guy that was just going to put out a statement. Um, obviously, he is a black head coach and mm -hmm. he's had his own experiences, I'm sure. Um, but he also understands that he is leading a room of 100 plus student athletes and they all have voices and they're all concerned and they approached him with some concerns. And, you know, I think as a head coach, you, you can't just focus on football. You have to be yeah. so well-rounded with the different situations that you're going to deal with as a head coach. And but did those guys, you I, I, you mentioned that, that a lot of players approached him um, pretty quickly on some, on some things that they had, concerns about or wanted their voice heard was that a was that a pretty quick process uh, last week or was that uh, something that took some guys because I know he had multiple um, they had multiple team town halls and they brought people in to speak and things last week as well yeah I mean he was already in the, in, in the work there's some things in the works before some players reached mm -hmm. out but they were just you know want to check in they were having ongoing conversations behind the scenes before some of the stuff that you saw last week so on Monday they had a town hall um, with former police officers who were also football players um, yeah. to maybe kind of relate to them better. And they were both black police officers. And I, you know, that's an important conversation to have. Um, they had mental health counselors come in, which I thought was, you know, a really cool thing because players are going to need to talk about this and they're, you know, you can talk about it amongst yourselves, but it also helps to have a professional kind of, you know, walk you through some things and kind of pick your, pick your brain on some things too. So that was another thing that they wanted out there. They wanted to uh, have someone speak to the players on that. 
Um, and I think it had every player on the team, every coach, every assistant. And I think Ted Gilmore sent off a tweet, a, a screenshot of it. And, you know, it was Alan Haller was in there and, and, and I believe Bill Beekman as well. So they really wanted to make this, you know, community thing. Um, and it didn't just stop there. They had a follow-up one on Tuesday of last week. Um, they had a player-led uh, a player-led Zoom call on Thursday, I believe. Um, and then on Friday, they uh, Thursday afternoon as well, they took a picture. Um, there's a rock on MSU's campus that, you know, was spray-painted with the Black Lives Matter logo and, and rest in peace, George Floyd. And they want to show a sense of unity. So all the coaches came together and took a picture around that rock. So they just want to, their main issue is they want to let their players know that they're supported through all this and that they have someone to go to. And these are ongoing conversations and, you know, they're still providing them with links, whether it's, you know, getting to know more about Black Lives Matter or know your rights, you know, things like that. Um, those are ongoing conversations and that's something that Mel Tucker wanted to put out there. It's just been so interesting and um, it, it goes beyond Michigan State to see um, especially enrolled college athletes, you know, trying to navigate this space of, you know, for so long, these programs just get, get their guys and they want to hold them as, as tight as possible. Not, you know, you don't want anyone stepping out of line or doing anything or saying anything. And they go through all of these classes on what to say and what not to say and blah, 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 blah. And now you just kind of before our eyes, guys who are, you know, us being so close to uh, college student athletes and kind of seeing the way that they talk when there is a tape recorder in front of them, the way they talk when there isn't a tape recorder in front of them. And now I feel like we're finally um, getting a chance to see guys just follow their instincts more and just do what they want to say. And I would say at both Michigan and Michigan State, um, I, I gotta, I gotta think. I haven't seen any examples that would tell me otherwise. At least of they're they're embracing the fact of like, if you want to say something, you go go say something. You know yeah. what I mean? Or if you want to march, you go march. If you want to do what you want to do, um, and for so long it's been, you know, if you want to do something like that, uh, you know, you do so on your own. You're not uh, really a representative of the of the program. And now it feels like there's some kind of at least cohesion in those two things. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I can speak to Michigan State's end. Um, you know, I asked Mel Tucker that directly. I was like, you know, you've had a couple players, Antoine Simmons, Devontae Dobbs, even more than that. Um, but those two specifically put out very long statements on their Twitter accounts. And it happened the same day that they had their first town hall. So that to me signaled that, you know, they felt some sort of way after that. And, and that empowered them to speak out. And so I asked them, like, do you support your players speaking out? Like, what's, what's your take on all this? And he said, absolutely. You know, I want to raise people that will go out into this world and, and do things and try to make a change. And I can only look at Michigan State because that's what I have control over. This is what he was saying to me. But, um, you know, we're trying to provide our athletes with the tools to, you know, have the information on everything, you know, know the facts um, and, and make sure that this isn't repeated. Like, obviously, you can't control when an unarmed black man is going to lose their, their life. But, um, you know, he was talking about the news cycle and how, we oftentimes just move past this and he's like, well, I want this to be like ingrained in my players' hearts. And, and, you know, these hashtags that we're seeing, who knows, they might continue, but um, we can't forget and we have to keep pushing forward and we have to empower our students to do that because of the next generation. 
James, I, I know that uh, Dwayne Casey was also super, um, I guess maybe he, right away. I mean, he was very active uh, with a statement he put out. The Pistons um, put that statement on their website, uh, on their Twitter accounts, on their socials. Um, I want to say it was early last. Uh, I can't yeah, remember the date was, but it was a while ago. And you know, the Pistons also joined the march, uh, a couple different marches, right? Or they just do one last week like this? Did they do the uh, Bell Isle, or they do uh, one? They did. The, there was one the day before. Okay. Uh, by the uh, the third pre- the police department in the third precinct. Yeah. So, so what have you seen? Not not just from Dwayne, but I'm curious. You know, because we just talked with Colton with younger athletes in college. You know, being more comfortable speaking up. You know, professional athletes are also young, but in a different. You know, it's a different world where you're getting a paycheck from someone. Sort of. What are you seeing from the Pistons in general with both with both Dwayne, with uh, Tom Boris, who's also sent out a statement, and then and then the players? So what's sort of been the mood there and uh, willingness to maybe stand up and, and you know, speak about uh, their feelings and what's right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the NBA, they get paychecks. It's a massive corporation. But in a sense, and I think you guys would agree, there's a little bit more of an individuality when it comes to professional sports and how their right. athletes are carry themselves than there is um, kind of the un- umbrella – of the, the college sports spectrum, but, and I, and I think there is kind of a, I mean, not kind of, but there is a lot of these guys feel the responsibility to say something. And that's where you really see that individual individuality glow um, for Detroit specifically. I mean, Dwayne Casey's a guy, he's 63 years old, was born in Indianapolis, grew up in Kentucky, uh, was one of, I think the first six black, black players at Kentucky. Um, I mean, that guy's been, uh, he's seen it all. Um, so you, you imagine, I remember he was telling um, Blake Griffin, I was just listening to him on Pardon My Take, and he said him and Dwayne talked recently, and Dwayne told him, he's like, back when I was in college and we were fighting for this stuff, like, white people didn't march with us. Right. So to see, for him to see that progression as a guy who has, bi- he has biracial children, um, for them to see that, his wife to go through it with them, like, that's important to him. And it's important to his players who, Blake Griffin's biracial. Um, in the NBA, specifically a lot of these guys if they're not black or people of color more than likely they grew up in that culture in some sense just because the sport is predominantly dominated by african-americans so at this protest you see luke Kennard, who's from franklin ohio and went to duke but this is a guy that's brushed shoulders shared locker rooms shower rooms calls these people friends like this is important to him uh, Svi Mihailuk, who's from the Ukraine, I don't, I've never asked him this, but I'd be curious the first time he's seen a person of color, when, I wonder if it was when he came to America. Um, but he goes to Kansas and, I mean, predominantly black program. So these guys in the NBA and specifically with the Pistons, this is a city that is predominantly black. Um, it's a franchise that I know takes um, great pride in where it is and the people that produce this city and it's important to them to to back people of color to incorporate people of color that's why you hear Tom Gorson that's why you see him write a message he's from Flint um, owns the Detroit Pistons Um, they 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 make a push for diversity and right now they Malik Rose just left so currently they don't have anybody in the front office who is of color but I can guarantee that will not be the same when the season starts that is something that's important to them. Um, it's This is a franchise that really does want to encompass the city that it plays in. Um, it wants to push forward the message. 
Um, and they're giving their players, their coaches, whoever wants to speak up the freedom to do so, because I mean, at the end of the day, this is, it's what's right. And you, you can't hide from what's right. Um, especially when you have a voice. When you were out there on the street for that March, James, um, and part of the conversation we want to have for those listening out there, like we do want to talk about race and sports media. And obviously this is the intersection of a lot of it. Like anyone that's on Twitter, like I, I always love the expression, like, Oh, lines are being blurred between, you know, this or that, or the other thing. Like there are like, there's no lines on this thing, right? Like everything, it's all just stacked on top of each other. Right. It, it, it's all intertwined. And, you know, I do, I do wonder when, when you're out there, James, mm-hmm. and you know you have your life experiences and and you're walking alongside the Pistons, but you're in a working role. They're in a uh, you know statement making, right. protest, whatever you want to call it, role. Um, you know what was that experience like for you between kind of balancing the 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 coverage side of it the personal side of it like it just seems like a a a large intersection that there no one's teaching you that in a fucking internship right of how to cover something like that so what's that kind of like that's a great question um and i kind of when i walked up to the rally um to join the group i i thought about that like how should i handle this should i handle this as somebody that's here um to do a job of course that's part of it should I handle this as somebody who's uh, African-American man and here to also support the cause? Yeah, I probably should as well. And like you said, the lines are blurred in this kind of arena. Um, but what I, what I would say is you're there to kind of learn, I would say, first and foremost, which is, mm-hmm. I think, the no, it's near the top of the list, no matter what we're doing in our, our job on, journalists are there to learn and inform. Um, and you're also there to kind of see why it's, this is important to, to people. Um, obviously, you, you can find out why it's important for Dwayne Casey and Brandon Knight and, and players of color. Uh, but then you see, again, like to Luke Kennard and Svima Luke there, the only two uh, white players on the Pistons team. Again, they grew up in this culture. Um, so to see them kind of walk in lockstep with their teammates to join in, um, on the uh, kind of the speeches that were going on for the hour or two leading up to the march, um, you you really get a chance to learn who these people are on a different level. Like you, again, we're in the locker rooms, we're on the road. You know what? Like I know Luke Kennard likes video games. I know Svee likes video games. I know Bruce Brown has a dog. Like there's you know what these people are like individual, but you don't know necessarily what's important to them on a grander scale. Um, so for them to take time out of their day for something they don't have to do. I think you, you learn more about what a person kind of covets in, in the world and what's important to them in the sense that what's, what's important to them is important to them because it's important to somebody they care about um, on a, a, in addition to. So, yeah, I, I think you just you got a chance to walk the scene, kind of be on the front lines and experience um, what's going on in the world for yourself. Uh, but also you got to see how it impacted others that um i guess carry a little bit more spotlight in the in the public eye and uh again did something that technically they don't have to do Dwayne could have just sent a statement out and been fine and people would have applauded him um so yeah it was it was it was a unique experience 
If you're bored in the house, bored in the home, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably looking for new things to do at home, why not make manscaping part of that routine? The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping incidents. Shaving is about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped and its advanced skin safe technology. Inside each perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti chafing deodorant and moisturizer, uh, which I'm sure you can guess where that one might go. So. Get 20% off free shipping with the code at theathletic at manscaped.com. So that's the code theathletic at manscaped.com. The athletic, all one word. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code theathletic. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high performance anti chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code theathletic. For savings on Manscaped, it's it's just so interesting. Like this, this, um, this time right now, for sports media members, um, we're in this very interesting position of being able to kind of amplify voices, right? Mm-hmm. And that just seems like overwhelmingly the, the, I don't know, the the coolest part of our jobs right now, right? To, to have that that opportunity of if someone wants to to tell you their story or whatever it might be, but like for, you know, the three of us being younger guys, James and Colton and not an old guy, like, like, like the Nick, um, I do. uh, I, I wonder how this is like shaping your, your writing voice in terms of, uh, you know, it's. Yeah. Um, writing what you believe in versus right. uh, while also portraying what someone else is saying. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. uh, it, yeah. it's, here's, here's it's the thing. all running together. It's all running right. together. I <laughs> think, I think we, cause James and I, you know, we have, we've had experiences and sure. I think those experiences help you tell these stories better. You know, oh, yeah. I've been a black man way longer than I've been a journalist, you know? Um, and I think when I was in college, you know, I went to the university of Missouri and they, the players had a, you know, they almost, you know, protested a football game over, over racial mm-hmm. matters because on campus there were a series of racial incidences that weren't addressed by anyone in a position of leadership. And so um, the university system president, Tim Wolf, um, had not said anything, had not come to, came out and condemned the events that were going on. Black students did not feel like they were welcome at the University of Missouri. And so a couple of um, one student went on a hunger strike and didn't eat for, I don't know how many days it lasted. And, you know, uh, a, a student organization joined in and, and supported him and there were protests on campus. And, and I remember every, that was my junior year. And I remember every outlet in the country was coming in to campus to like, try to tell that story and, and speak to black students and everything. And it was just a really like crazy time. Um, and I went on to cover the football team the following season. I wasn't actually covering it that year, but 
I kind of had those inner conversations, like how would I approach that if I were covering the football beat back then? Because right. obviously I am a black man. I am a black student. This stuff is happening in my community right now. Um, but should I be impartial? Like, how do you approach that? And I don't really think you can. And that's something that a lot of people say, oh, you got to be impartial. But if, if you have those experiences, you shouldn't shy away from them because they can help you tell those stories better because you know where they're coming from. You can relate to them on a number of levels. And, you know, even, even now when I was writing that Michigan State story, those experiences helped me write this because I understand players want to have a voice. And, and the football team rallied around this man who was doing this hunger strike and um, the system president was forced to resign as a result. And they got the change that they wanted. And um, I think having some experiences like that in the past, in my own personal experiences, it can only amplify those voices even further. It's interesting because we are so we are taught as sports writers, right, to not, you know, you're not supposed to be part of the story. You're, you are supposed to be impartial. But at some point, you know, your human hat has to come on and you have to be a human being. But more than anything, like James just said uh, a second ago, we are taught to listen, like, that's what our job is. Our job is to listen to people, um, to learn about them, what they have to say, uh, and to share their thoughts. And like Colton's saying, I mean, like, it is interesting to see not just, you know, people in sports media, but, uh, you know, people, athletes, you know, taking more of a, you know, I can, you know, I don't, why do I have to keep myself out of, you know, all of these containers when everybody else gets to do whatever they want to do? You know what I'm saying? And it's been interesting to see that, um, you know, really across the board, I, I, I don't see, you know, at least where we're at, right. Um, you know, people being comfortable with that. James, are, are you in this, like, like what Colton was saying, were you in the same sort of, because I, you know, I don't have those experiences. Brendan doesn't have those experiences. Um, but we listen and, you know, for us, that's all we can kind of do for, for you guys. It is different and it becomes more personal. And I think that, you know, each person can handle those things on their own um on, on their own way but at some point yeah it's it's a it's an interesting line that you walk but one that like i said where we just started right it was it's a complicated issue that really shouldn't be that complicated it's really kind of a simple you know right. people are people and you know that's kind of how it goes i would say yeah no I, exactly what colton said i think being a a journalist of biracial race you and specifically being in a predominantly black sport um and i was telling you guys before this recorded i'm I'm hundred percent sure where the, the Pistons beat writers are the only all black beat crew in the NBA. And I would imagine it's all of professional sports, but don't quote me on that one. Mm. I, I would say what that does is in terms of player relationships, um, trust. Um, and then, I mean, you guys know there's probably been instances in which you've been interviewing a subject and there's just always feels like a, there's that line that should be there where it's very, I don't know, yeah, manufactured interviewer. Uh, right. I, would, I would say in my, in my experiences covering uh, the Pistons, because of kind of the systematic um, troubles and systematic race relation issues that a lot of African-American men have gone through, there is a little bit more of a... Um, they talk to you, I would say they talk to you and, and interact with you more as a human that they can relate to. Sure. Um, I'm the same age. Well, shit, now I'm getting older than a lot of the players. But because uh, they're catching up with Nick. So I'm 28. Uh, I'm from the inner city. Um, I like the same things most of them like. I, I They probably assume that we've had similar experiences. They could just 
shoot the basketball a little bit better. They're a little bit taller, um, but I'm still I'm covering it. So I think what it what it brings is that wall that needs to be there to do your job as a journalist. It just kind of uh, weakens it a little bit to where there's a little bit more of a human to human interaction uh, because at least from my experience, they know that you've probably gone through what they've gone through and there's just an innate um, ability to, uh, I guess, not take a liking to you, but be understanding and just be more, show more of the human side on a day-to-day basis than what kind of happens in our job. As you guys know, you don't, you don't always see the human side of, of players. Right. And, and I would say that. Isn't, hasn't really been the case on, in my experience in the NBA, and I think that has a large part to do with it. If that makes any sense, sorry. That makes sense. Probably mm-hmm. you were saying something. I forget what it was going to be. I'm sure it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> w- one thing I was going to say uh, was to kind of Colton's point, actually now on, on what James said as well, like, look, there's a major issue in, in the, the number of – black sports writers that we have right. in this country. Um, especially when, what, two of the four major sports in America are obviously predominantly black. Mm-hmm. Um, College too. College as well. Yeah. College as well, absolutely. And, you know, you have this certain disconnect between the number of black coaches, the number of black writers, and the number of black participants. Um, there's none of it adds up. So you're, you're almost, it feels like to me in this very curious, you know, situation of um, almost having to be like that representative voice as opposed to being like a journalist voice. And it just seems like such a difficult thing to navigate that no one really prepares any writer for. Um and like, I don't even know where I'm going with the question because it's 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 just something I've just really been thinking about this week. Where like I'm sitting here thinking like I don't know how many people want to hear from me. Like I'm not right. writing a column on this, right? But then everyone looks to you know Colton. Okay, Colton, would you like to write a column on your experiences as a as a black man? You know, and you're like, yeah. well, Jesus yeah. Christ, I'm just here to write <laughs> about sports. You know what I mean? But now like it's all gone. Like right now, at this point in time, like. That's all gone. And everyone almost, while we want to say that this is bringing everyone together, everyone's almost more categorized in which voice are you putting out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see it as like a negative to have a white writer write about race. And I think we need more of that because it can't just be the black writers in in sports media. um, Mm -hmm. Because then you have people saying, oh, they're getting into politics. Look at the politics writer, even though this has nothing to do with politics whatsoever. It's a human rights issue. But... um, Anyway, it's like, you know, I've had writers reach out to me this week or last week and say like, hey, I'm, I have this interview with someone. How should I approach this? How should I ask these questions? And I've been more than happy to help. And I'm glad that they're taking the time to write about these issues because, it, again, it, it can't be up to me and James and whoever else to, to write these stories. Um, and we need all sorts of perspective. And mm-hmm. I think the other part of it is, yeah, there's not enough diversity in, in sports journalism to be able to tell the story. But you can also, as a journalist, you have to be well-rounded. You know, we write about health issues. We write about transactions. We, you know, we, we write about everything. So why can't we write about race? Everyone, you know? So right. I think that's something I've been paying attention to more the last week or so. Yeah. I mean, for me, the categorizing thing was big. Like I haven't, 
kind of shared like personal stories and text or, or um, kind of written anything substantial just par- partly for that and to let it breathe. I had an idea that I scrapped while I was walking with Luke Kennard for much of the march and to maybe write about the experience of a white guy uh, being in a predominantly black sport and kind of what this means to him. But then I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't know if this is the right time if people want to hear that, you know what I mean? So it's like, I just, I scrap mail, put it on the back burner for a different time, but it's, it's a, it's a tough call because again, I think as Colton said, as journalists, we're asked whether white, black, purple, yellow, you're asked to cover many different aspects of sports, many different aspects of life. And it's just something like I, I would imagine I'm not as, um, Maybe somebody, the per, the person asking Colton how to interview that subject would be me asking somebody how to interview a doctor or the healthcare profession. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. you, you just got to take the time to learn yeah. and, um, and broaden your, the people you talk to, broaden uh, what you read, broaden um, how you look through a scope of whether that's as a journalist or life. And um, yeah, I don't think it should be on the uh, journalists of color to kind of speak up right now. I think this is more so, I mean, this is a country, this is a unity thing. Um, And I've been very happy to see a lot of um, our white counterparts step up to the plate and and do these stories. Um, And yeah, and I think that's, I think that's what it's about at the end of the day. It's, It's been interesting. You know, we, you know, back in March when sports goes away, you know, all we thought about, you know, at the time was, well, when are these things going to come back? When are, for us, right? It's like, when are these things going to be back so we can get back to being whatever? But, you know, I found myself last week and, you know, even in over the previous weekend, you know, kind of saying, well, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm kind of glad they're not here because, you know, it's allowed um, this moment to have the sort of, you know, amplified moment that it needs and deserves. And we've had, you know, multiple you know, Colton's had talks with people at Michigan State, James with the Pistons. Um, you know, we saw Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football go out on last Tuesday uh, and walk. And that was nothing more than, you know, they had guys on the Zoom call the night before. And they said, Coach, we're going to go walk tomorrow. We'd love you to come. And he said, what time? I'll be there. And all those guys, you know, did together. That was awesome to see. We had um, Frank Ragnow on, um, on a Zoom call the other day, Lions Center, uh, who was emotional, very emotional, and, and talking about, you know, how the fact that we are all here right now, sort of sitting, and there's nowhere to go, you can't really do anything, well, I guess now we can go get a haircut, right? But <laughs> other than that, um, it's allowed that to sort of get the attention it needs and deserves, and it's, it's I've, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I was curious on, you know, James, you just said it, Colton, I'd ask you the same thing. Um, what 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 is your thoughts on on the response that, that people have given in sports specifically? I mean, some of them it seems like they've been pushed into a corner and said you have to say this. But I mean, we've also seen a lot of people that normally you would think uh, we're probably never going to hear from that person that we have heard from those people. And to me, that's been interesting. Uh, I don't know, maybe encouraging. I don't know. What's uh, what's your thought on it? Yeah, uh, and I tweeted I think last week. You know, pay attention to. Right. What the coaches and players at your schools are saying and doing um, in terms of the, the college landscape. And, you know, I think you can it's, it's, it's hard sometimes, but I think if you look close enough, you can tell the people that are genuine about this and, and the people that are maybe not so genuine about it or, or kind of like, you know, 
walked into into doing it like you like you mentioned and um that's why i look at the actions because anyone can put out a statement saying racism is bad right <laughs> you know that's not a hot take um <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, guys, I have something to say. Really sit down, sit down for this one. <laughs> this has been weighing on my chest for a long time. I just thought now is the time to say it, you know? Right. So I've been paying attention more what what they're doing. So like even Jim Harbaugh, you know, going on that yeah. march, like if his players wanted him to do that and they did it, that's awesome that he was a part of it. And, you know, at Mizzou, uh, the players organize a march from the football facilities to like downtown and they all registered to vote and the coaches, you know, participated in it. And they took a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And like, you know, things like that. I think they did something similar at Miami. So mm -hmm. I'm paying attention to that stuff and like what they're doing beyond the statements. And um, I, I think that's how you can kind of differentiate the guys that actually care. And, and not to say that they don't care, but the guys that actually want to see some sort of lasting improvement beyond just a couple of days, you know, a couple rounds of the news cycle. Um, and, and, and that's what I wanted to try to highlight when, with my story on, on Mel Tucker. And cause I, I asked him like, how much do you, like, how much does this mean to you? And, you know, obviously again, he is a black man, he's a black head coach. Um, and he said, it's not even about me. It's more about the next generation and getting them to buy into this. And, you know, I have, you know, he's like the locker room is a sacred place. We have guys from all over the place. Um, and that mostly sticks to football, but it extends beyond that, you know, so often. And, we have to be able to have these conversations and, you know, we have to have safe spaces to have these conversations where black students and student athletes can feel that their voices are being heard by either their white counterparts or anyone else that they would like to, to get this off their chest and, and talk to. And so that was the biggest thing for him. I think you're seeing more and more coaches start to understand that around the country. And, and I think that's a big deal. Hey everybody, before we get back to it, just a quick message here. Most of our listeners are in and around Detroit, Ann Arbor, East Lansing, anywhere in the state of Michigan, really, any sport that we cover here. Uh, and what better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners, as you know, are loyal and engaged. Brennan and I do mailbags with you guys quite a bit. Uh, that's some of our favorite stuff that we do. Uh, so what better way to advertise your own business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, just go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away. Uh, and see what we can do. So go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the professional sports, specifically the NBA, it's just, I mean, you have, the, it just seems more genuine when people do speak out. Um, not to say that I've like in college or anything, it's not, but I just, you don't have to hide behind the curtain. Yeah. In, in professional sports like if you want to say something you have that right to say something and if you, I imagine if you're going to a march or if you're tweeting something or if you're issuing a statement it means something to you if you are indifferent on it you just don't have to say anything at all and nobody will shame you for doing so I mean they on Twitter they might but nobody's like nobody's checking to see if uh, JJ Reddick said anything you know what I yeah. mean like it is I just think that with professional sports, these people are looked at as kind of, I mean, not kind of, they are looked at as torchbearers and leaders and people there are, I'm not necessarily one of those people that like I saw people tweeting uh, when Dwayne Casey issued a statement, we talked about it a little bit as a group, people were wondering, are the Pistons going to issue a statement? Mm -hmm. And like, to me, I can understand why people want to see the Pistons issue a statement while they basically ran Dwayne Casey's statement and let it go. And, use Tim as the voice. I'm not one of those people that like need to see my sports team 
take the stand and, and, and go for it. But I understand why some people might, but I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at in, in the world where people want to know if their, their sports team, their sports figure is down for the cause. And those uh, people have the outlets to show that they are, they are, they're writing for the people. The, uh, the statements have just gotten like, it, it's gone from like expecting like sports organizations to make statements to businesses to everything else where it's just like, wait, has Baskin Robbins issued a statement <laughs> yeah. yet on its, on its feelings about, you know? And they um, did the best statement. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> oh, ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Sorry, Ben and Jerry's. Not Baskin Robbins. I don't know. Yeah, about no, Baskin. not Baskin. Maybe. I'm sorry. Maybe. I don't know. Now we got to check. <laughs> no, no, Ben um, and Jerry's. But like it's so fun that that point that you make on like the difference between college and pro is just so stark. It's remarkable, and and part of it I think stems from the coverage that right. that is provided, and especially at the college level. Oh god, the, the yeah. media that is surrounding some of these programs is like gosh, insanely um, narrow in scope. We'll say in terms of background. Um, mm-hmm. When we were on that. Uh, the the boondocks channel called this weekend james um david ubin our tennessee writer said that he's he's under the impression that he's the second that was uh, nutty yeah uh black guy to ever cover tennessee sports i mean i was there for a minute i was there for a year and a half and that sounds right to me like i sat there and i started thinking like people who came before me and who've been there after and i think that's right that's incredible yeah, I that is incredible. I I mean, you know this. I interviewed for a job a few years back. That's right. Covering, and uh, that was a. I actually asked that, and I think there was. I think the person that was. Um, I think he. It was a few years ago. I don't think he had like come in recently. But that was that wasn't. I didn't know Dave. I forgot David was down there, mm-hmm. and I forgot that stat. And then when he said, it, "I'm like, oh, that's right," and that's absolutely absurd. So, so you think about it and, you know, a lot of these programs, um, like what questions are those athletes being asked to be able to have a right. voice and things like that, right? Like I imagine if this, if what's going on right now was happening in season at a lot of schools yeah. in the country, uh, some of the questions would be insane. Yeah. It would, I think it would legitimately be like some crusty white guy with a tape recorder being like, um, Talk about being black and just hold the tape recorder <laughs> right, in, front right, of right. So, in front of someone. You know what I mean? And and so, or they so don't have the conversation. Or, or, yeah, or right, they're they're ignored entirely. Or, or it's ignored entirely. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And that's why I thought, you know, with with no sports at all, you know, because that's all I thought of. I was just like, what? If, I same thing. Like, what if this was in the season? What if we were not in a pandemic? Um, you know, how would this be? I, I guess sort of covered and. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it would be the same as it is right now where we are hearing these stories and we are hearing people. Yeah. And we're yeah. hearing people too, I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I've, I've heard from a couple of athletes that seem that they've sort of come around and they've woke up a little bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know if I would say that that's, you know, prevailing across the board, but I mean, I've seen some. And, um, you know, those are, those are the, you know, because I think a lot of them, a lot of guys – you know, I've seen teammates sort of express themselves like we talked about, you know, at the college level, Colton, Devontae, Dobbs, these guys, uh, James, same thing um, in, the, in the pro range. But they've seen their team. Like Trey Flowers had this amazing statement on uh, Instagram. He had a video he put out uh, last week. And, you know, where it was, he used the analogy of the, um, 
I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but the, the, the telephone, the, the, you know, the games kids play telephone, you know, tell the next guy, tell the next guy and the message eventually gets diluted and we lose all, you know, connection of what it is. And like Colton said earlier, this isn't a political issue. This is not, this is not something that, you know, we hear a lot of people, well, you need to vote. Well, I mean, yeah, you do need to vote, but it's also, it goes beyond that. And I think for a guy like Frank Ragnow, when we talked to him last week, because originally it was in my head, you know, in his head, it was all, it seemed like, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it was a lot of, you know, I care about this country a lot. I care about the flag. But as, as this thing has gone on this last week and everything continues, it seemed like, you know, maybe his mental, and he's a younger person, so maybe his mental, you know, makeup has changed on that. Um, yeah. And you're hopeful on that, but I, I, don't, I don't know yet. Like as Colton said, it's all about more of what we see from them, you know, going forward. But we have seen some folks in some of those settings be more expressive than they ever would have been before. This is an NFL player, a white center playing in the NFL. There is no chance we could have gotten, and, I, I, and I'm not saying this to be Frank Ragnar or anybody else. There's no chance we would have gotten a guy like that to talk about kneeling and those types of things in that much depth in 2017 or 16 when, you know, when, when, when Colin Kaepernick started the whole kneeling thing, I just don't, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it's, um, it seems more hopeful, I suppose, in this, in this mm. current situation. But I also will say, at least at the college level, you still have you do. schools yeah. trying to censor their players. And I haven't seen this at, at Michigan State or anything, but, you know, you look at Iowa, <laughs> like, yeah, terrible. they have a social media policy where players, when they come to campus, they cannot tweet if you are a part of the football program. And yeah, they know that coming in, but that's such a, a, an, a dated, like, I guess Twitter's not that old, but it's such like a dated thing to kind of send to your players like that because they have voices. And especially at a time like this, they loosen their policy to one pre-approved tweet per player, which is hilarious that they even said that. <laughs> um, but I mean, you still have schools that will try to, you know, hey guys, just be careful what you're saying out there. And I guess there's, I don't know what the risk is. Um, you know, making your program look bad or whatever. I don't see how that would be an issue, but um, you still have a lot of censoring for college athletes. And I think it's easier for an NFL player to come out and say something, even if they haven't said anything, you know, in previous years, but even with college, like not every school will allow their players to say something. And that's still an issue to me. Yeah. Yeah. The pre-approved tweet is just, what are we doing here? I mean, (laughs) I can't even, and I, and it sounded like I could be wrong, but it sounded like he was, like, Ferentz was kind of like, I mean, I'm letting guys tweet now. And you're like, well, come on, I open things up. They get one pre-approved tweet. <laughs> but that's something we've been battling in college sports for a long time, right, Brendan? I mean, like, that's, you know, we see that all the time where these – it's not a coach necessarily as much as it is an athletic department that gathers around, you know, young men and women and says, like, you can't use social media for anything other than telling everyone how great this school is. Some places do it. Some places don't. But, you know, it sort of varies, and we've sort of seen it, you know – I'm an old man. Brendan's an old man, despite what he'll tell you. We, we were on Twitter when it started. So I remember how everything has sort of gone and it became something where people didn't know what to do with social media. And now it seems like maybe there's still a larger section of people that do and a larger or still remaining section that really have no idea what, what to make of any of it. I, I will give Michigan and Michigan State both some credit here. Um, within the last week where certain players have gotten involved in things, um, you know, I've told both programs, like, look, I'm reaching out to mm-hmm. this individual. They're not asking permission, just giving yeah. a courtesy. I am reaching out to this person. If they are doing this on that, this is them as a human person, not as a scholarship member of your basketball program. So I don't particularly care if you don't want me to or not. This is mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And it was green light 
all yeah. the way. Absolutely. You know, yeah. give us a heads up if something happens, you know, whatever, if, if you actually have something coming or anything and um, hand, like handling it the right way. Yeah. Um, and, and as much as we sit here and like the bus balls and, and stuff like that, when it comes to our access and things, you know, that they, they warrant a cap tip on, on this one for sure. Mm. Would agree. Would agree. You guys want to talk some sports? Yeah. What's, what some sports? What are, gotta, are you? We want to talk some golf? Yeah, sports are <laughs> sort of, kind of, maybe, I don't know, half return. I don't know, half returning. Colton, Michigan State has actually announced formally uh, that June 15th will be the day they begin um, so, sort of bringing guys back. I mean, like, on yeah. voluntary basis, Michigan is still not formally announced, although they might have as we're sitting here recording this, but they're targeting the 15th as well. Uh, they did, Colton, put out a lot of um, – we talked to Bill Beekman last week uh, – a lot of precautions that they've been taking uh, or that they will take going forward. So what are some of those, and then what are maybe some of the remaining questions? Because I know there's both, because there's still some things kind of simmer in there. Yeah, the, I mean, the press release they put out was kind of like jam-packed with every procedure. So um, basically, yeah, they're, com- they're coming back the 15th. It'll be football, uh, men's and women's basketball, and I believe volleyball. In, in this wave because uh, they want to do it in phases. And so basically when they report, they will go to an athletic facility and um, they will receive a test. Um, they're going to split it up by sport on the 15th and they'll get tested once. Once they get tested, they have to quarantine for I believe a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the week is up, so that would be June 22nd. Um, <clears throat> if they'll take a second test and uh, if they if they test negative again, so twice, then you can begin your uh, workouts and, and get involved in, in those voluntary workouts and everything. If not, I believe it goes to another, maybe another 10 days or it gets to 10 days total. I'm not, I forgot which one it was, but um, that'll be the beginning of the process. So really it wouldn't be until June 22nd where they start those workouts. And then once they have the workouts, there are a lot of restrictions in place. You know, the locker room, team lounges, all that stuff is is closed. So uh, players will have to arrive to the facilities already dressed, wearing their workout clothes. Um, you know, they'll get a new pair of, of, of workout clothes after each day. Um, and they'll have to bring the old ones, the dirty ones back to get washed and everything. And, um, you know, I think what Michigan State is doing is they're going to group their uh, athletes together by like the roommates. So whoever you're living with, those are the people you will work out with. And in that scenario, if someone does end up testing positive, they can isolate the group instead of the entire team, which I think is smart. Um, and you can kind of say, okay, this person's been with that. And you can kind of trace within your organization like that. So um, there's probably a lot more details I'm leaving out, but that's kind of like the gist of what Michigan State is doing when they come back. The biggest thing that sort of hangs there is the longevity of it, right? So it's again, a lot of that is unpredictable and impossible to guess. But, you know, when I hear, when we were sitting listening to Bill Beekman kind of lay all this out and the doctors that Michigan State had brought on, my head just goes to the, you know, let's go to August, right? Let's say late, late August, you're in camp or something and a redshirt freshman linebacker or something like that's going for a job. Um, he knows, let's say redshirt sophomore. Okay. So it's further down the road for him on the clock. He knows that this is my last shot. Maybe I'm going to get passed. Maybe if I don't win a job this year and now I've got some symptoms and I got to sit out 10 days and everybody else gets to pass me. And are you still being as diligent with all that testing then as you are in June? Because that kid's not, I mean, if, you know what I mean? I mean, if that kid's going to be like, <laughs> if he can get around, he's going to get around it. He's not going, you know, because he's going to want to compete. 
because uh, he knows that's just the reality of the situation. So I, I still think a lot of those questions are there, but they're kind of impossible to sort of guess on right now because we just don't know, you know, what's going to happen in the fall. James, same thing with Pistons. NBA is obviously Pistons are not going to play. Yeah. But you are now <laughs> my friend. In I'm going to go from Mar- March to December without – I'm going to have to produce content without games. Oh, uh, yeah, you and Max uh, Boltman, who covers Red Wings, are kind of in the yeah. same boat here. Um, maybe you guys can do like a diaries of two dudes who are like, we don't know what to do here. <laughs> so the lottery got pushed back till, was it August? August, yep. And then the draft will be in October. Yep. And the playoffs yeah. will begin in July. Yeah, and um, I don't know if it'll happen, but there's talk of the teams that aren't invited to the bubble. Um, maybe they're throw their own little tournament or something just okay. to have yeah. guys like say boy uh bruce brown not to go 10 months without that'd be interesting player development hmm. basketball um i know that's something the put the pistons i've been told really are pushing for uh because like i said they are in the midst of rebuilding and most of their players are under the age of 24 um and i mean that'd just be absolutely absurd to go from march to december without your 18 year old playing structured basketball or uh, countless other 20-year-olds. So um, that's something they're going to push for. Um, will it happen? I mean, if you can put a 22-team tournament together in Orlando, it seems a little bit easier to put an eight-team tournament in, in Chicago or somewhere like that, you know what I mean? So that could happen. I would imagine that would be closed doors just because it's not part of anything right. that will go down in NBA history. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what's going <laughs> to I don't know. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> – Keep on chugging along. I could hear the the uh, frustration in your voice right there. Yeah, it's yeah. just more it's so brutal. like I've just been like pulling shit out of thin air since March and it's June, <laughs> and I got July, August. I got six more months to go. Yeah, you don't. You also you get to. Although I don't know if the media would get to go anyway to wild wide world of sports. The bubble, right. yeah, that's. Right? So you, I mean, imagine having yeah. to be stuck there for a month, James. I mean, look on the bright side of it. That might have been. Difficult. I've heard some stuff, and I don't know if it's out there, so I don't want to say too much. That it's gonna cost a pretty penny for reporters that do get the there okay go. to go, and I get the sense that if you go, you have to stay for a hundred days. Ugh. You can't leave. I mean, I've been to Wide World of Sports. It's a yeah. big campus, but uh, uh, Disney World for a hundred days. Uh, I don't know. Florida, Florida don't know. for a hundred days. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna Florida say. <laughs> That entire state, I would not want to be there for. A yeah, I'm not trying to. Be. Florida, Florida man infects bubble because alligator gets loose for a hundred days. Yeah, right. Yeah, infects bubble exactly. Who knows? Uh, how, much weight, how much weight do you think you would gain, Nick? Oh my god! If I was like in Disney World, Disney Park for a hundred days, yeah, hundred pounds. I don't know, one pound uh, a day, <laughs> right? Something like that. Oh gosh, I don't even. Yeah, and even if the Pistons were in, I don't know if I would um, – I'd be curious to see you guys, hear your guys' opinion on this. I, I personally wouldn't want to go. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it. Um, everyone's different, right? They all have their own situation. I mean, I have a little one at home, um, things like that, and a lot of that has come up, right? And I know Brendan's probably closer to having to go out and you know, maybe cover some golf than maybe we are. Like Colt and I are still Correct. sort of in the fall mode. Um, but it has been something like I've talked to Chris Burke about it too. You know, what do you, you know, I don't know. It's impossible to sort of guess what that's going to look like, 
you know, in the fall. But if you're an NBA writer, like James is saying, I mean, you know, that's – and if you're covering the Lakers or something, that's coming right around the corner. So, I don't – you know, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know what you're – Brennan, well, you've gone through some of this with golf. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have too much of a problem doing golf. It's, it's outdoors. Um, anything that even does have fan attendance is going to be a quarter of the normal crowds, which just basically comes to about like 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. on a 250-acre piece of property, right? You're not really crowded. Um, so I'm I'm generally okay. Like, I wouldn't go to a concert right now or right. like an outdoor festival or anything like that. But um, this is – my, my thing is also like this is what I do. Yeah. I, I need to go. This is, ju- this is just how I'm wired. And as long as it's – moderately safe um i'm in um to go do my job so i'm more scared of the bubble more so than covering sports for me <laughs> to be like, inside of it yeah to just to be inside of it i mean they're not like from what i hear like the right there's regulations on players but they're not telling them they can't go do stuff they can't go to a restaurant or like it's just it my money's on knock on wood i hope it doesn't happen my money's on they resume and it gets shut down mm, because there's just, it's just not strict and it doesn't seem strict enough to me. And you know, that's going to be the billion dollar question. No pun intended, because that's really what this is about is what are they going to do when not, and it might not even be if, okay. Like when somebody, you know, comes in and says, all right, six guys. I mean, we saw Alabama football come back, what last week, week before. Yep. And in days it was like five guys have COVID. And I don't know what Alabama did, but, like, if you're the NBA and, like, you're two days into this thing and six guys have COVID, like, what do you do? Are, are you going to decide to shut it down? Or are you going to decide to say, okay, uh, they're in quarantine and we're going to keep going? I mean, yes, that's the question. Yes, I Houston, you can't have James Harden. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Dave, <laughs> James, you hate, like, Summer League, right? Like, you don't uh, usually have a good time there. <laughs> I like Summer League. What I don't like about it is um, – <laughs> It's a partial. No, James, yeah. I just remembered that fucking this story from last year in Vegas. When we were walking down the street. You can tell – can I, you tell it on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can tell any story. Yeah, go ahead. Do finish, it, do no, finish what you were saying and then we'll tell. I like Summer League. I like um, – obviously, it's basketball, so I love that. I love just getting away to – like, why else would I go to Vegas ever? Um, well – all right, well, let me take that back. But <laughs> when, else, when else does somebody else pay for me to go to Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. What I don't like is the uh, – yeah, I'll tell you off camera. I can't, yeah. Okay. Well, I was, I was just going to say, so this is, like Ve- this is like the summer league in Vegas, minus the fun of Vegas in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah, I, I was say an add a virus that's – Add a virus. Yeah. Stuck inside. And that's exactly. what scares me, is yeah. being stuck in Florida – and I get COVID, and I can't leave Florida for. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Days, that sounds like a horror film. So much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No offense to anybody listening to this from Florida. I'm sure you don't want to get stuck in Flint for a hundred days. Like I'm yeah, from right. Flint, but like we'll take it both ways. <laughs> so this is my this is my second favorite James Edwards story. Wait, what's the first? <laughs> when you bowed to Method Man. Uh-oh. Oh yeah. There you go. Oh right, yeah. This this one. This one I li- All right, go ahead and tell it though. So we're in Vegas for Summer League, and we, like, meet at the hotel bar. We get a, a beverage before walking to a restaurant to go have dinner with a bunch of other writers. And we're, we're walking there, and he's just like, oh, what, what kind of – what a place are we going to? I say, oh, there's a tapas bar. 
down the street. So we're meeting the oh, guys down there. So we start walking down and we pass a gas station and Jake's like, hold on, I got to dip in and hit the ATM. Okay. I mean, we're all on expense accounts, but if you want to take out some cash for the, you know, the, the tables or whatever, go for it. He goes in, he grabs some cash, comes back out, keep walking. We turn the corner and he looks at the restaurant. He goes, oh, a, a, a tapas bar. I thought you said a topless bar. <laughs> That's a great. I was. Flavor. I mean, we were in Las Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, we were in Vegas, like topless. Bro, you think we're, we're going to go have dinner in a topless bar? In- you probably could. <laughs> in Vegas, your Philly, your Philly accent's stronger than you think, dude. That's true. That what is time true. Was it? Was it like five? I thought it was. Yeah, topless. that's the thing. It was like <laughs> seven at night. Hey, we're gonna go get yeah. steaks. Some. Uh... It's a crazy town. It's three hundred degrees <laughs> out, right? And July, I was like annoyed. I hate taking money out. Like, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta listen better. It's such an inconvenience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, guys, it's uh, been good. Brandon, you got anything else you want to discuss here uh, on the pod before we let these two guys? Uh, I think I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, Thanks this was for great, having though. us, guys. Yeah, 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 this was great. This was fun. Um, we have Colton on quite a bit. Talk Michigan State. We'll probably have we can have James come on and talk some more Pistons too, as we have Chris as well. When we get uh, if if they get the number one pick, James, we're gonna have to uh, have you let's on go because we're gonna need that, right? I mean, they're gonna have to get something here. I mean, yeah, just. Like, I just I want them to have a high. Put some more ping pong balls in. Job. Yeah. I just want the Knicks to pick ahead of them. I don't want Lamelo Ball. I don't want the circus. Lamelo. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. Here Am I go. wrong on that? Like when people ask me that, I, I'd like to know your guys' opinion. I'm sorry if we have to go. We actually do. No, it no, go for it. We have another meeting in 20 minutes where we'll be doing this again. <laughs> um, but I just seeing like he. It feels like it's going to be one of those situations where. Every national newscast has like a reporter yes. designated to it, and there's probably going to be people from Australia. Uh, it just doesn't seem fun to me. As someone who covered every second of the Jim Harbaugh returns to on a white steed to to his alma mater or whatever, uh, and everyone in the football world sort of congregated on top of your beat, yes, that's very annoying. You, I would agree with what you're saying. So we want the Pistons to pick second, right? Is that as long as the Knicks pick first? The Knicks, Knicks will pick, do it. Okay, there the you Knicks go. will do Good it. Well, yeah. New York. Oh my God! Like it writes itself. Yeah. If they can yeah. handle the extra media. I can't. I'll get annoyed <laughs> as soon as I try to get like I'm trying to interview somebody not Lamelo, and there's like a swarm of cameras just backed up to every locker, and it's just gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. <laughs> you don't want that. No, you don't want that. All right, Brendan, send us on out. All right. Well. I won't ask everyone to recommend restaurants, but uh, although you might be able to at some point here soon. Oh, shit. that's right. I keep forgetting things Sooner are like quasi open. We've been yeah. we've been encouraging people to uh, get takeout, but nowadays, if you can go get a meal, uh, now more than ever, there uh, your restaurant workers are now back to work um, and probably needing to make up for some lost wages. So make sure you are tipping those bartenders and servers, especially generous. Nowadays, Golden Nick, James, you have something to say. Two shout out, uh, both of you guys, plug a restaurant you like in yeah. your in your neighborhood, wherever uh, you're at. We always ask people to do that when they're before we take off here. Colton, just say it for me, since I can't say it. Eloasis. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> uh, I just love Mexican food, so I'm going to go, uh, holy cow, I haven't been there in so long. What's it called? Uh, are you kidding me? Where's that? Downtown Detroit, uh, next to Nikki's Pizza, 
or um, it's a this is embarrassing. It's a Mexican restaurant. Um, it's right by Fishbone. Hey, babe. I don't know that one. <laughs> What's the name of the Mexican restaurant downtown? I like Locos Tacos. <laughs> oh, I forgot. There you go. Thanks, okay. babe. That works. <laughs> All right. So we got two shout outs. All right, Brandon, go ahead. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. I'll be back next week. <laughs>